0: All right, welcome to the conversation on the TYT network. We've got a fun day for you guys today. We got a Republican on, used to work for Trump. Whoa, okay, so let me tell you a little bit about it. Brian Lanza is a Republican strategist. He's former communications director for President Trump's transition team, and former deputy communications director for Donald Trump for President in 2016. Brian, welcome to TYT. Well, thank you for having me. excited to be here. All right, I'm excited to have you. All right, so I'm positive we're going to get into disagreements, but first let's start out nice and easy. Um, how did you get hooked up with Trump in the first place?
1: Yeah, it's just you know, politics is a small world. I was uh, this is going to this is going to scare your audience, but I was a communications director at Citizens United. And my boss at the time, Dave Bossy, told me that you know one of his board, one of his donors, board members, and friends was thinking about running for president. And if I knew anybody who was looking to be uh looking to be the manager, and Corey lewandowski has been a friend of mine for about fifteen years, and I said, yeah, you know, I said we have a mutual friend, Dave. It's you know Corey's looking for work, and. And then that's how it all started. So, you know, we were sort of that inception point of Trump for presidency. We, you know, we, we, our team, got in there early, and we were just integrated for a very long time. I officially joined a role in the campaign. I think would have been in July of 2016, but you know, we still had a lot of integrated relationships from the very beginning. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, again, before we end this agreement, one more benign question. <laughs> Why do you think you guys won in 2016? Because the establishment was positive that Hillary Clinton was going to win, and she didn't. So, what do you think made a difference?
1: I think people were pissed. You know, listen, I always operated into theory in 2016, and I told. You know, then candidate Trump and his team, or anybody who would listen, it's it's a, the Republican base is larger than the Democratic Party base. You know, probably by six points at least back in 2016, and people were pissed off, and people had a 25-year relationship of not trusting Hillary Clinton, whereas at that point they probably had maybe an 18-month relationship of questionable Trump, you know, statements and 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 alternate facts as some would say. So I think the dynamics was always set against Hillary, and you couple that with the anger that existed, and it was just the perfect. Storm, this, you know, we were able to, you know, as they say, we're able to catch the car, and we never catch the car, and that was a, that was a pretty unique moment in American history where the anger had just bubbled up, that you know the voters wanted to burn Washington D.C. and they thought Trump was the best person to do it. Well,
0: well it, in a sense, they were right because he did burn it. <laughs> but and I remember that the bumper sticker that I referred to on the show every once in a while back then it said "Meteor 2016," and and basically that's that's what we got. Um, and and Brian, from our point of view, we warned uh, the Democrats throughout, don't pick Hillary Clinton. Uh, they the Folks don't like her, and they don't like the establishment, and she is the establishment. But uh, lo and behold, everyone in the establishment disagreed. They thought they were lovely people and that America loved them. Didn't obviously turn out that way. Um, okay, now, but as you point out, Uh, or you said, at least you referenced, uh, there was alternative facts from Donald Trump and then they piled up and they piled up and they piled up. And so, you know. and then we had to inject yourself with disinfectant and the stealth fighter is invisible to the naked eye and wind causes cancer, etc. So Brian, I'm curious where you stand now after seeing all that, have you left the Trump train or still on board?
1: No, listen. I, I think January six gave me a tremendous amount of pause. You know, for me, it was a very difficult day as as a Trump supporter. I was with the president. You know, through the through the very end, January six, you know, made me beyond uncomfortable as an American. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I step back and as upset as I can be. Toward him because of January 6. I still think the policies are, are something that I'm supportive of. And you know, coming from California, you know, I think I have a better understanding of the immigration issue of a Mexican American family. You know sort of the, the the issues there. And I do think conservative politics probably has a role in a successful border policy. And so yeah, I mean, January 6 sucked as a, as a Trump supporter one would say. But at the end of the day, I still look at the policies and I think they're better off for my for my family and for the things I believe in. Brian I don't get
0: it. What what policies? The only thing he passed was a giant tax cut.
1: Oh yeah. So I that think- it? I disagree. I mean, it's you know, I look at the economic policies as trade policies. I thought that was different from the Republicans. Normally, they were you know free traders, and they didn't care about the workers in in a lot of these communities that that I'm familiar with in in L.A. or that you know, friends are familiar with in the, in the upper Midwest. And I think he talked about that, and and that's not a traditional Republican policy. I think you have to remember that policy was derived from Donald Trump being a Democrat most of his life, where he talked about fair trade, and fair trade was 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 the worst word you could use in Republican politics. And now we're talking about it extensively as something that is the norm, and that's different. He changed the world in that, and I think that's good for those communities. I mean, listen, I was a Democrat during Clinton Gore. I remember the promise of NAFTA, but I also remember the broken promises of NAFTA. And then those communities were left further and further behind, and it was never gonna be a traditional Wall Street Republican that talked to those communities. It ultimately ended up being Donald Trump, Democrat most of his adult life. The fair trade policies, which is rooted in democratic politics and progressive politics, not necessarily conservative politics. And that came to an issue that I think is very supportive. I mean, we're now talking about fair trade. We're not talking about these communities that for you know, nearly a generation we'd forgotten and, and, and even stopped paying attention to. I think that's a good thing in American politics. Well, like that's okay, you know what?
0: I'm glad we had you on because that's this really interesting point. I think it's got a tons of nuance that I want to talk about. But like, for example, we sell (laughs) too Strong Coffee on our air, okay? TwoStrongCoffee.com slash TYT, I just mentioned it. I did a plug right there in the middle of the interview. (laughs) And we always say it's progressive because it's organic and it's fair trade right yeah and so fair trade is very progressive now the execution of that I thought was awful the way that Trump did it and the tariffs didn't really work and it devastated the farmers they voted against their self-interest anyway because of identity politics in my experience and 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 it did not bring back jobs and I can show a thousand different things in how he bungled it if he meant it at all but you Brian, but let's instead of talking about that, let's talk about whether Republicans or right wingers and left wingers can ever actually agree, right? And because the reality is the establishment is has been lying to both of us for all this time. Yep. And so they said, oh, Americans and Manchin and Biden are still doing it, and Mitch McConnell's still doing it. Oh, Americans love corporations, and so they don't want them to have. Higher taxes—that's absurd. Uh, Americans want lower wages. Uh, Manchin says they don't want fifteen dollars an hour. That's absurd. Of course, Americans want higher wages, and they don't want more corporate power. So they, there's a, the alternative facts of the of the mainstream media as well, no question. Oh, yeah. But but Brian, what, can the Republicans ever do it without the built-in racism, right? And the built-in mania of a guy like Trump? Who who then just lies about everything and says personally corrupt, let alone systemically corrupt. Why can't like if you guys had an actual populist that wasn't secretly working for corporations, which is most of them, right? And that minus the racism, you'd probably win easily, right? In that scenario. Yeah. So why are you like why is the Republican Party so hooked on racism and lies?
1: Yeah, I would ask the question: is, is why are Democrats so so hooked on on racial politics when you know that doesn't play a role in in a lot of things? It's you listen, I'm a Mexican. You know, my mom's Mexican, my dad's Bolivian. There's you know, we come from Latin America, and we just see the world differently. That's not a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I think those diversity and thoughts are a good thing. They came here for economic opportunities. They didn't come here because they believed in bigger, better government. They came here because they had a bigger government in their in their states in in their countries. And they realized it was bad, and that the, the promise of America was this limited government where you were free to create your own opportunities, to make your own mistakes and to recover from those mistakes. I think you know well like anybody else. If you make a mistake in another country, an economic mistake, a bankruptcy or something like that, you're done. Sometimes you're, 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 sometimes your kids are done because of those mistakes. Here in the US, you can make those mistakes and recover within a couple of years. And I think that's the promise of that, that you can take those risks is why those people come here. So I don't think it's a racist thing that is why Trump was able to expand the Latino vote more than any Republican have. I don't think it's a racist policy that that allowed Trump to make a tremendous amount of inroads in the black community more than he had in a generation. And I don't think it was racism policies that brought in the Asian community at a record pace that more than we'd ever seen before, I think it was the policies when you sort of filter out you know, the media's interpretation of what those policies are, is what ultimately connected. And I think that is the danger, that at least the tech industry feels and, the, and sort of the corporations feel is that this unfiltered conversation does disrupt. And it allows real information to go forward and it allows you to get the facts and not be filtered. And that's the danger of it all, and I think that's where progressives, you know, and conservatives very much see the same thing of this censorship, you know, of this, you know, corporations doing these things. You know, listen, I'm not here to, to to rip on corporations, but let's be honest. During the Trump campaign, corporations donated to Hillary four to one against Trump. During the Biden campaign in 2000, corporations donated, even after all these tax cuts that Democrats say, you know, were bad and this and that, they still donated to Democrats and Biden six to one. You know. We, we weren't the candidate of Wall Street. I think that was pretty clear, and we're, we're still not. And I think that's where you're seeing the, the sort of movement from Republicans of sort of being this you know, sycophants for corporations, and now sort of move, trying to move more toward this working class coalition that President Trump emulated. I mean, it wasn't racism why like President Trump got 75 million votes and he grew from 2016. It was policies.
0: Well Brian, let me half agree with you and half vehemently disagree. Uh so you know, i was just going to say flat out nope to everything you were <laughs> saying until the end. And so look, the Democrats are committing a slow motion suicide by becoming the pro corporate party. Uh and this country is you can't wait for a populist champion, right? And one that doesn't lie and one that can unite us, right? Uh but Democrats just right now they they're hooked on that sweet corporate cash, which most of my life, the 98% of my life that was the Republican Party. And they still are. I mean, Mitch McConnell went out there and said, "Oh, okay, coke, Delta, how dare you? And then the next day he came back and said, I'm so sorry, I beg for your mercy, coke and Delta, my overlords, right? And so that's still 98% of the Republican Party, but unfortunately it's you know, 80% at a minimum of the Democratic Party. and But they've become more and more corporate, so I agree with that. But the disagreement. Look, you take any poll, but the one that just came out today, Derek Chauvin, 36% of Republicans say not guilty, 31% say guilty. So more Republicans saw Chauvin kneel on George Floyd's neck for over nine minutes and thought that yeah, that means he's perfectly innocent. I mean, brother, that ain't nothing but racism, okay? So, so talk to me about the it's it's real. I mean, the Republican Party ran on the southern strategy. Southern strategy is let's go get racist voters in the South. Literally, literally, that was the whole point of the strategy.
1: Listen, you know, I would say this. You know, the Republicans have their sins in racial politics, and the Democratic Party has it equally as well. No, I think I, I absolutely not. disagree with you. Listen, I'm Latino. I experienced. I've experienced racism in California from the Democrats more than I've ever experienced from the Republicans. It's like all of a sudden, you know, you're Latina, but you don't speak enough Spanish. Are you kidding me? So now my my Spanish language skills determine whether I'm a Latino or not. Like that's how the Democrats think in California. So I'm going to disagree with you. It is what it is. I'm not whining about it. It just is what it is. But I would say that you know when you look at. When you look at ultimately, you know, I think the problem that Republicans sort of run into is not necessarily the racism thing; it's more socioeconomic. And I think that was the different thing with Trump. Whereas, you know, we never really had any appeal to the working class voter. And I think for the first time, you know, Trump created that appeal, and it was different and it was new, and it's now connective tissue in the Republican Party, and maybe it'll and I hope it'll continue to grow. But it is different, and it is uncomfortable for some people. But I don't buy the case that you know, listen. I think you know you know growing up in LA you know growing up with LAPD You know, I'm I'm not going to say they're perfect. We've all had our run-ins being a Latino with LAPD, and you know, it's 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 a difficult experience to go through at the time. It's it's sometimes it's frightening, and but you get through it, and you know, you pick yourself up and you and you realize that the rest of the country is not like that. And I've had more positive experiences with law enforcement than I've had negative experiences. And in fact, the most negative experiences I've had happen to be with minorities in law enforcement. And I don't think they're racist. I just think there's some institution that creates that wedge and conflict that is healthy in some respects and also unhealthy in others and it's a it's a delicate balance that I think training has more to do than anything else it's not racism that guy standing on that guy's neck in Floyd's neck for nine minutes I don't think that was racism I think that was just a guy of consumed with power and and having run into law enforcement before I find that the, their obsession over power and control you know outweighs any of their views towards mm-hmm. my skin color
0: well, look, both. So let's come on. You know this, Brian. So, number one, yes, their obsession with power is toxic. And we talk about it on Young Turks all the time. And that's a giant problem and maybe the number one problem. But, 1B is do they do it more to Latinos and black people? Of course they do. Of course they do. Brian, you know, it's funny. We have like mirror image experience because I grew up a Republican and i grew up in a in a suburb of new york and the cops were perfectly pleasant to us uh because our suburb i was you know i'm muslim and i and i look brown and we're probably about the same shade right uh but but the suburb was white so the the attitude of the cops were that we were the quote unquote good guys, right? And so I never even knew how much they abused minorities. And then so saying that race is not a part of the factors is crazy talk.
1: I mean, you know it, you said it too. You said it
0: happened to you as a Latino in LA.
1: Yeah, listen. It happened to me in in in, in neighborhoods that uh, that have a higher crime rate. You know, it, it never happened to me in the suburbs of Dana Point, where where my family lives today. But it certainly happened to me in the apartments over there in Westchester, or even in in Monterey Park, East LA. Like it's I, like I said, I think in my experience, you know, you know, trying to you know not think of race is is my main filter. I think it was more socioeconomic than anything. Now, does racism exist? And listen, I've had racist teachers in college. I've had racist teachers in high school. I've run into racist firemen, racist paramedics. So I think racism exists in every. I've run into racism in politics. And And it's a cancer, it's an absolute cancer. But I think you deal with it head on, and it exists in, in, in. I think it exists in both political parties. I mean, you're looking at the spike of of crime on Asians, Americans in the U.S. and the in the primary group of people committing those crimes, they're not white; they're minorities. It, it's a mix,
0: and, and it certainly doesn't make them Democrats. Uh, so, uh, but uh, no, they, that the, look. If I thought there was a political. Uh, Part of it, I would point it out in a second. It 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 looks cultural rather than political. It's horrific any way you slice it. Um, So now, Brian, I'm curious if you think that there is a Republican that could pull off what I was saying earlier. Like, leave out what, even if you don't agree that that. Trump and and a lot of the Republican Party centers a lot of their arguments around race, which I I think is abundantly clear given what he said about blacks, Latinos, Asians, etc. But okay, let's say that you don't agree with that. But for the rest of us, we certainly perceive that about 55% of the country at a minimum certainly perceives that very strongly. And the lies is indisputable. So, is there a Republican that could pull off the populist thing without the lies and without the racism, the perceived racism?
1: I I probably think there's two right now. There's obviously J.D. Vance, who's running for a US Senate in Ohio. I think his background, his socioeconomic background, you know. Poor grassroots appellation is, is a good story, and it, he, he talks that, and and I think that appeals to a lot of people. And then you also have to probably look at uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida. You know, he garnered a significant amount of the Hispanic vote, the Black vote when he ran. He actually ran against an African American last time he was successful, and he's putting those populist policies into governing. And I think by every measurement, you know, if you look at you know wherever, where where Florida is, they're ahead of most states. You know, with respect to a COVID response and with respect to the economy bouncing back. So I think two of those people are gonna be leaders in the party. And if Trump doesn't run, I don't think he's gonna run, my opinion. I think those guys are gonna step in and absorb a lot of that oxygen and energy. I wanna, I
0: wanna ask at least one thing about DeSantis, but why do you think Trump's not gonna run?
1: Listen, it's, it's, it's tough. Who wants to take the chance of losing, losing the presidency twice like that? You know, it's it's uh it's I think it's a tough mark on on uh from a historical standpoint, and and unless it's unless Joe Biden's at thirty nine percent, I don't think he takes a chance.
0: Hmm, that's interesting, you're the first to say that, at least that I've heard, and that that at least makes some degree of sense, because he hates the idea of being a loser. That's why he's ranting like a sweaty-toothed madman in Mar-a-Lago to any Republican donor or politician that comes by, I didn't really lose, I didn't really lose, yeah, yeah. Losing sure. sucks. Yeah, hey, he lost,
1: right, by yeah, the way? Yeah, yeah, yes, oh, it's okay. awful that we lost. Well, we, okay. we, we move on and we get better for next time. Okay, then let me ask about
0: DeSantis real quick. Look, that's what I mean by posers. So, Holly is a little similar to me, but I think DeSantis is even worse. He talks a populist game and then turns around and provided vaccinations for very specific donors in their very specific communities one in the Keys, one in, I think, Central Florida. And then Publix is a big donor, and then he gives them a thing. The Publix thing is a little bit more debatable. But but the the specific
1: hold giant communities. Honest, and you're going to tell me the public things is debatable. The public things, oh definitely, it's, it's not even close to debatable. No, just no, it the, is. That it was is. demonstrably false.
0: No, Brian, it's not false. So look, the, the he got hundred thousand dollars from them. Is it, that the only that, reason he gave a contract to Publix? No, I, I actually I'm a fair guy. I listened to his reasons for it, and I think, and especially given the Democratic mayor in Palm Beach, I think that there were other factors. But it was $100,000 a factor? Of course, of course it was a factor. Of course it was. And then, but even if you I don't, don't want to debate it, that, I you want to talk about think- the other places where he's doing uh, Favors for giant DeSantis donors? There's no question about the the two
1: examples. Left and media have to make that case, cuz they have to do something, cuz they have to shoot down what's ultimately being viewed an overall success during COVID. You know, He did it his way, he did it with the science, he didn't do a special interest, he didn't close down everything. And we're now a year year and two months after this, and you look at the states that most succeeded and, and Florida was a success story. And New York was an abject failure. California was an abject failure, New Jersey was an abject failure, Illinois is an abject failure. And so yes, the yeah. left has to create opportunities to criticize success. That's not new well, in politics.
0: Brian, that's just You're not able true. Able to address it. Yeah, that, that part's not true, brother. You think so you, success? If you applied the same rates of California to Florida, there would be about at least 4,000 more deaths. Uh, and so New York was a disaster but other than that the red states did demonstrably
1: worse than the blue states and that's because
0: they didn't listen to science
1: when you well the science said you could keep schools open and in, in, in California they closed the schools so it's not following the science you know the science says that after you're vaccinated in 20 days you no longer need to wear the mask but we're still telling people to wear the mask so it's not really science that's driving this conversation it's special interest let's let's be honest and it's yeah happens as the left special interest is so powerful in California that it's keeping schools closed and they're moving the goalposts of what it takes to get open. That's not Trump's failure. That's not you know that's not DeSantis' failure to take on the special interest. That's Gavin Newsom's failure to take on the special interest. And well, the- I'm,
0: not, I'm yeah. not gonna defend Gavin Newsom and I'm not gonna defend the corporate Democrats because yes, they kept some things open, some things closed. And guess what it was based on? Political donations. So and so that happened. It, no, it's an absolute stone cold fact. Yeah, movie companies gave a lot more money to news some of the Democrats, and they got to open up, right? And and others didn't get to open up if they were small restaurants, etc. So I get the politics of it, and I never say, "Oh, the Democrats are above it." No, they're not. Unfortunately, they're below it. But but so is DeSantis and and the red states.
1: 100% bungled coronavirus and led to tens of thousands of more deaths. Let me ask you then who's the success in the US? What state well, do you point to that says, you know, when you look at the totality, the economics and the science and the and the death rate, who's the success? There's going to be a success, right? Yeah. One's got to stand out.
0: Yeah, so look, I looked at the aggregate numbers between the blue states and the red states, and the difference is gigantic. When you asked me to pick a particular state, there's a couple that pop to to mind. Hawaii did great, Vermont did great, they happen to be the two, probably the two most progressive states but, states, but Vermont has a Republican governor to be fair. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so, but you can't just say, hey, one Republican governor of Vermont, The blue states, the great majority of them, have Democratic governors, and they did way, way better. They just did. If 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 Arizona had the same rate as California, forty thousand more people would have died. Okay, so um, so I'm sorry. If California had the same rate as Arizona, forty thousand more people would have died in California. No, they. And look, Brian, I'm reasonable. I agree with you on the vaccinations, and so I think they're fear mongering. And I don't know why they're doing it It might be politics, it might be etc. But the whole point of the vaccination is afterwards, it's safe. So you should follow the science either way, okay? I'm super consistent on that. But not wearing the mask and not following the science cost us in aggregate hundreds of thousands of lives. If the Democrats had done that, they would be blamed for the rest of history. And they would be marked as the people who
1: killed that, hundreds that, of thousands it, of people with their ignorance and that's the contributing factor to why Trump lost i mean i'm not telling you otherwise i mean that's why we lost like we lost because of our covid response and you know the party adjusted to that and then i think when you look at who's who you ask me who can pick up the mantle this populist mantle that trump talks about that's different than the republican party you know jd because he he sort of experiences that and then you look at it from a governing principle whether you think he's a fraud or not but if you look at what he's done Administratively through a governorship, I think DeSantis stands out, and he's, he certainly stands out to Republican voters. And you know, listen, I'm willing to have that fight in November. You know, a young, vibrant DeSantis with what he did in Florida compared to Florida record than to to any to, to anything else on the table. Like, let's have that conversation. I mean, that, let's compete. Let's let's have these. Real issues, real facts, and conversations. So we go item by item, because we're confident that what he's done is special and unique. That that it's going to stand the muster. It's not the failure of New York, and it's certainly not the failure of California. And California is a failure because today you still don't have kids in school.
0: Yeah. Okay, we're out of time. At this point, our kids are actually going back to school literally on Monday, so it's an old battle. But anyways, Brian, it was a really interesting conversation. I appreciate you joining us and having a frank talk. We appreciate that. Hopefully we'll have you back
1: on. My pleasure, thank you again. All right, thanks.